This is Cole. And this is Ron. We are the creative team. Asking the tough questions like, Hey Cole. Yeah, Ron? What if Hulkamania never ran wild? Hey, Ron. Yes, Cole? What if Rick wasn't ravishing? That's rude. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Cole, I got an idea. I can see that. Hey, Ron, I got an idea. I love it. My sister, Candace Murray. Look, up in the sky, it's the creative team. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. To another exciting episode of... The Creative Team! I am your host, Cole Dawson, and with me as always, my hashtag team partner, Ron Kilborn. Ronald, how you doing today, bud? It's another Take It Up With Creative, so I'm in a fantastic mood. Uh, I love when we do these things because we get to jump in our booking minds and rewrite history, and that's what the core of this show is all about, being nostalgic and rewriting history from the brains of two fans of professional wrestling. It's one of the few things in life that, uh, when I look back, I don't regret anything about my wrestling fandom or life at all. Like, I, 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 I think about how, um, how much wrestling has enriched my life, and uh, I say it quite often, um, I'm so glad I bought a wrestling ring because, like, a lot of the people in my life and and things that are happening for people in my life basically stem back to that one event. And, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of awesome. Uh, we definitely wouldn't be sitting here talking today right now if I didn't buy a wrestling ring. So (laughs) that is awesome. It's definitely plays a role of me being here. But, uh, speaking of awesome, any, uh, you want to put a bow on uh, last week's episode? We, we had a very awesome episode of take it up with creative. I think, uh, you know, if nothing else from last week, I think I think we hit a good format, you know, for the show going forward. So this will be a little more organized. I mean, you know, uh, uh, truth be told, we are learning on the fly as well, ladies and gentlemen. We're trying to figure out what, how we want to do this and how we like it. And uh, Mike Awesome did an awesome job of getting us there um, to now, you know, I really have a, a strong feel on how we're going to do these. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Mike Awesome was another one of those that it was when, once I started doing the research on what actually happened, I went, man, like they had good intentions and then they just shit the bed. But uh, that is not the case this week, my friend. <laughs> no. And it's funny because last week when you touched on uh, how you discovered Mike Awesome, he was one of those guys that you had to go and review because, you know, you got into him late in the game, whereas I was on top of his career from the start in the East W days. And I think that's going to be reversed today because the subject today is Too Cold Scorpio. And much like you with Mike Awesome, he is a guy that I went back and watched. Uh, I I just didn't get a chance to watch him on the come up when he was really firing on all cylinders with the ECW and the the WCW stuff. Uh, I got to uh, uh, be introduced to him as... uh, you are so funky oh flash you are so fucking stupid i hated that character so much Uh, this this is one of the first times in my wrestling fandom that i was just truly truly disappointed because we're getting ahead of ourselves what i like about the gentleman uh i love too cold because he was another guy that was like mike awesome he's um he's not like a big tall giant but the, the dude's thick He's a big dude. And for him to yeah. be that size and do 450s, and I'm pretty sure I've seen him do a shooting star press. Uh, yes. 
yeah, it, it, dude's incredible. I don't know how you can be like you know that type of size and perform moves like that. I I just he blew me away. The crazy thing is he's in his damn fifties and he's still doing the same shit. Yeah, I see him on flyers to this day. Uh, I mean, but it's not like he's toned it down. Like he's still doing all the shit. He's still doing four fifties. He's still jumping off, doing moonsaults and all. Like he's incredible, man. He's one of those guys. Like this is the little bit of the opposite of Mike Awesome for me, where this was one of the first guys that really hooked me on in the wrestling business. And uh, but like I said, this this was my first like first time wrestling let me down. It really let me down because I was so excited for Two Cold Scorpio, and then I got Flash Funk, and just it never went anywhere. It just never went anywhere, and it was so disappointing. But uh, yeah, so to finish your impressions of Two Cold Scorpio and your fandom, that was it. Just uh, he was a, he was a guy that I had to go back and watch, and I would just you know kind of watch matches by the recommendation it's not like i wouldn't kind of binged his career i just you know uh i've, I've seen the, the 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 matches he had in ecw uh some of the best shit you'll ever see you can go out of your way to watch it and it holds up to this day who knows where the ball was dropped what they could have done differently but we're going to dive into well i mean here's the thing they never picked up the ball like they just left the ball on the field they like never even picked it up and tried to carry it like they just like hey let's sign this guy and then they just never had an idea and never tried anything like it, it's so disappointing like th this one it like his career his wwf career was so uneventful that like usually i'm able to just go to like wikipedia and it has like highlights of their career year by year like to go like for for flash funk it just said they signed him in 1996, and then he was done in 98. Like, that's literally all it says about Too Cold Scorpio. Or it says, well, he changed his name to Scorpio before he left. But, that, like, that's literally all they had. So I had to go find other sources. And uh, I found a great website where it literally has every TV match that this wrestler had in each of the years of their career. And every promotion that they had, or every promotion they worked for, and uh, has, like, an actual, like, day-by-day... Uh, tracking of their matches but then i found that website and i was again incredibly disappointed <laughs> yeah i wish i didn't know anything but now yeah. i but now i know stuff and now it sucks even worse yeah that, but that's the thing like once you start digging into two cold scorpio and seeing his ecw stuff and then if you if you saw some of his stuff from noah in japan when you especially tagging with vader like oh my freaking god talk about an awesome tag team that i know if we were uh fantasy booking would go very far <laughs> like geez like this is one of those like mind-blowing like what the fuck like because at least everyone else had a chance like you know we, we've done take it up with taz and the big show and regal and like at least all of those people got an opportunity even mike awesome had a you know a big match or two in wcw but two cold scorpio just had nothing like they like he he debuted at a survivor series in a thrown together like weird eight man that didn't make any sense and then he had like one other pay-per-view match and it was just him losing uh an intercontinental title match but like he never he doesn't have one significant victory in wwf he like there is no moment he had no feuds he had nothing like it is insane uh and and again i've talked about it a lot this is one of my favorite wrestlers of all time he is on my fave five to watch. I have DVDs and VHSs 
of just best of two cold Scorpio and I could watch it all day and never get bored. You know, he's one of the few guys that uh, you just never know what you're going to get because he never, he was not a formulaic wrestler. Like he, he's, he's much like a Bret Hart where he'd go out there and the match was going to be totally different. And then he had his signature move that he would mix in there. But like the, like the brilliant thing of watching two cold Scorpio to me is that all of his matches just seem even though he's doing spot he does big moves and he does high flying like none of his matches feel like a planned choreographed spot it doesn't feel like they sat around and talked about it for 30 minutes everything seems like it's happening genuinely in the moment and like even you know his some of his like he'll do a springboard fucking uh, corkscrew leg drop like just out of nowhere like he body slams it doesn't ever feel like it's contrived or that it like you're watching something where guys are working together. He's one of the most real uh, in-ring performers ever. And it's just amazing to me that Vince McMahon saw absolutely nothing in this guy. Like, I just don't get it. Well, Vince is a body guy, so that's got to be one thing. You know, he just didn't have that that body. You know, he had, he had a bit of a stomach going, got the big-ass thighs. But, you know, I think that was the appeal. You know, you got this, like dad bodish dude that could like fly like your like your cruiserweights like how do you not see money like all over that yeah i and and the thing is too like we saw in ecw that two cold <clears throat> can cut a good promo we've seen it on some of like the dark side of the ring episodes this dude if you just let him talk is entertaining as hell like the, the it's one of just the like all-time mind-blowing ones to me like this dude should have been the world champion could have been one of the biggest stars in the history of the business. And he just, for whatever reason, never got that push, never got that opportunity, never was found in that spot. Cause I mean, WCW at least utilized him, but he was, you know, they put him in a tag team with Marcus Alexander Bagwell. And, you know, it, it but I mean, even in WCW, he had just phenomenal matches with Chris Benoit and um, uh, watching his stuff. He, him and Bagwell had just an incredible match with the Nasty Boys um, that I highly recommend. I don't know when it was or when it happened. I'm pretty sure it's on a pay-per-view somewhere. But to watch the Nasty Boys work in, you know, like a, a, a just a classic wrestling match with spots. And, I mean, they, they really he inspired a lot of the uh, uh, triple threat spots that I did in, in even, even in a tag team. He, he did these just wonderful wonderful things that he put together that i'd never seen before you know where they they'd shoot a guy off do a double drop kick double drop down or or double leapfrog double drop down like just incredible stuff and uh a really one of the most um innovative wrestlers in the world and to do it all as a heavyweight is just makes it that much more impressive yeah uh, i i can go on all day about how it's impressive a guy that size can do those moves it's it's pretty cool to see uh, I, most of the matches I've seen of his, uh, is in ECW. Like he had some freaking, he had a, I think you recommended, uh, the Sabu one. And I thought that was oh, incredible. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure he had a couple matches with Jericho there. And yep. that was also amazing. You know, man, I, I think there's room for Scorpio to go and just hang with these kids in AEW right now. I would love to see that. You know, you have the unfortunate task every time we do take it up with creative to remind me and the world what actually took place for old too cold? Uh, this one, I mean, it's just so disappointing. Uh, I mean, unfortunately, this is probably going to be the shortest recap because there's really 
I mean, just nothing. There was no effort made here whatsoever. Well, you're going to have um, to speak slowly so we can feel it. <laughs> November the 17th, 1996. Flash Funk's debuts in, in the Survivor Series on a babyface team with Yokozuna uh, in his very short-lived babyface run, taking on Team Vader, and this match ended in a double disqualification. Nobody won. It was probably one of the shortest Survivor Series matches of all time, uh, where it was actually Survivor Series rules, and it was really just a throwaway. Um, this was at Madison Square Garden, too. Yes, yes. It's just, it's so disappointing. But then after that, they did give him a nice, you know, they gave him four weeks of jobber matches, you know, just enhancement talent on television. He got some wins under his belt. And then he took, promptly took on Triple H for the Intercontinental title uh, and lost. Uh, and then uh, he did the only other title opportunity he had. Um, I need to go find this match. But he took on uh, Owen Hart in the main event of a shotgun Saturday night, of all things. Um, I'm sure that's incredible. Like, it, basically, like, when you go through his match-by-match, match, it's a bunch of matches against, like, Salvatore Sincere and Leaf Cassidy. And then, like, every once in a while, he'd wrestle Triple A, or, well, Hunter Hurst Helmsley or Owen Hart and put them over. Like, that's all he did for, like, the first year of his WWE run. And uh, it's just so disappointing. He did have one shot against Shawn Michaels. They wrestled to a draw on Monday Night Raw, so he didn't put Shawn over, of all things. That feels like a moment where they could have done something, but they didn't. Um, the only other pay-per-view match he had after that Survivor Series was a tag team battle royal at WrestleMania 14. That's it. He was in a random tag team battle royal with a random tag team partner, and that's it. Um, so really, from 1996, November, till 2000, or 1998, there was a whole lot of nothing. Uh, and then they started an awesome tag team with Flash Funk and Terry Funk. Although by this point, they had tamed, changed his name to Scorpio. Uh, talk about a strange bedfellows team that I just love. But they they went on a tear for four weeks, won every match. And then Terry Funk, you know, had a sick horse or something and disappeared again. And uh, that brought us, they said, okay, well, we're not doing anything with Farouk right now because the nation is kind of not really a thing yet. And uh, so he tagged with Farouk for a while. And that lasted four to six weeks. They ended up in some kind of, once they got into, you know, the upper level of tag teams, they started losing. And then that tag team just stopped being a thing. And then the job squad was formed. And uh, this is where he had probably his best run or the closest thing to being part of a storyline in WWE. But uh, he did have a lot of success. He won about eight to ten matches with either Al Snow or Hardcore Holly as his partner. But then again, once they got to the tag team title picture, they were promptly making guys look good. And that was it. Early 1999, he was released. Uh, that's when he spent a lot of time in Japan. And uh, even in '98, they were they weren't they were not using him so much. He had another ECW run. And I think that I believe that's when he was the television champion and had all those great matches with guys like Chris Jericho. And, and, and he, I mean, really, it's some of his best work ever. And it really made me wish that WWE had used his um, his just natural personality of being slightly uh, confident in himself 
uh, bordering, bordering on cocky and uh, just being a badass in the ring like he was. Like, I, I just, I don't understand. I don't get it, Ronald. Oh, like, this one's a layup. <laughs> you could literally do anything with this guy and just let him go out there and, and he would have been great. Like, if he would have gotten the ring with, with a... Shawn Michaels wanting to prove a point or or in there with Bret Hart wanting to have a classic, it would have been some of the greatest wrestling that the world has ever seen. And uh, even to this day, like Too Cold talks about it, he's like, you know, if Shawn Michaels wasn't a dick and he wanted to have the best wrestling match of all time, like, we would have killed it. If you just wanted to work with me and not be a dick, like, we, <laughs> we could have changed the fucking business. Yeah, they could have done at least two segments of a match on Raw. It would have been amazing. Yes, sir. Uh, now, the roster in November of 96, uh, we had Ahmed Johnson, of course. The Smoking Guns were still hanging around just about trying to find something new to do with Billy Gunn. Uh, Bret Hart, of course. Brian Pillman was around. Davy Boy, Farouk, Goldust, Hunter Hearst Helmsley, Jake the Snake Roberts was around at that time. Uh, this is when, you know, teenage, young, very young Hardy Boys uh, started coming around. Uh, we had the Road Dog, Jesse James, the New Rockers, which I, I think might get a little bit of love today, uh, Aldo Montoya, Owen Hart, Shawn Michaels, Rocky Maivia, a young Rocky Maivia getting ready to start his career, uh, the Sultan, which is fantastic. Uh, I know he's been talked about on the show before, one of the greatest mass wrestlers of all time, uh, according to Ron. Number five. <laughs> Big Van Vader, Yokozuna, Mark Henry making his debut, Mankind and The Undertaker. So already we've just, we can see that there's plenty of talent out there for Too Cold Scorpio. And I just, I just don't know, Ron. Like, I, this one just, like, ah, it irks me. It, it hurts in my soul because, like, this was, like, the first time in my, in my fandom, like, my childhood wrestling fan was just crushed because I knew this guy was better than everyone else and, he just couldn't get a break. Yeah, because he wasn't my idea, pal. Ha ha! <laughs> yeah, I feel like Jim Ross and, and Corny had a lot to do with Too Cold Scorpio getting an opportunity. <sighs> and to debut him at the Garden put such a big bunch of eyeballs on the fact that, yeah, hey, look at this horrible idea. It's just, how, how do you expect that to get over? Flash Funk. Like, I got an idea. Flash yeah. Oh, Flash. Yeah, he's fast, and he's funky. Just look at him. Just look at him, and look at the girls with him. And then they did the same gimmick later with the Funkadactyls. Like... <laughs> oh, yeah. Good times. <laughs> nothing, nothing, nothing like rehashed, recycled gimmicks that didn't work the first time. Yeah, but, that didn't get over and did nothing. But God, speaking of working the first time... Let's just jump right into it, because I'm going to go for it here. I'll go first this time again. If I was going to debut Two Cold Scorpio, and now this might this might be, might be get me a little trouble just because of the convenience and the potential stereotypes, but I would have still debuted him at Survivor Series, at the Garden, but I would have the Nation be one of the teams, because they're a thing at the time, and I would have him be the the fifth partner of the nation because they were just a four-man group. He can be the fifth man. But come to find out, he's actually there to be a member, but he he wants to take the he wants to take them in a new direction. He wants to 
be positive. He doesn't want to shoot for dominance like how Farouk wants. He wants to be equal. And I want him to be like that voice of reason because it, it, like trying to get these guys on the straight and narrow on the right page. And I, you know, at, at least double down on the controversial uh, reasoning for the nation of domination to come about, but like kind of twist and turn it to the point where there's ascension and too cold and Farouk fight for leadership of the group. And I'd say too cold wins too cold gets the better of Farouk and he goes forward as the leader of the nation of domination, but they're kind of like tweeners, like, like trying to get on the straight and narrow. Like everyone's trying to do what's best uh, based on what Two Cold's trying to accomplish, and you got him trying to be this babyface, but he's try but he's got these group of heels that he's trying to overcome, and that's when later down the road we can have the whole situation with The Rock happening. Except this time, instead of infiltrating the nation and being a dominant heel faction, now you have a better matchup to come out of this, because. Farouk was during a time period where he wasn't really delivering those classic one-on-one -on -one matches at the time. So it's not like they could have had this big blow-off between The Rock and the Farouk, and they didn't. They just kind of moved on. But I think once this implodes, however you get there, I think a blow-off match for The Rock to take over the nation would be The Rock versus Two Cold Scorpio. And I don't care how you get there, that's just kind of a bullet point thing. I would love to see Two Cold Scorpio versus The Rock, and actually makes it to a pay-per-view. You can see The Rock's showmanship. You can see Two Cold's athleticism. I think it would be a nice clash of styles, and I think, like, Two Cold would get the job done on carrying The Rock at the time, and I think that would be just a classic feud. And then breaking out of that, it could be a whole Intercontinental Championship feud for Two Cold Scorpio. He'd be sort of made as just this focal point, leader of a group, try to do things for the right reason, because I want to keep Too Cold a, a babyface. I don't see him as a heel. You just always want to root for the guy. So I think I think kind of doing that, it's got you got that nice like uh, torch passing moment between uh, Farouk and Too Cold, but then the actual match is Too Cold and The Rock. I think uh, that's just, I don't know, that's fantasy booking 101 for me when it comes to Too Cold. And from there, I would like to see him kind of propel from that situation to just kind of being amongst the guys that are on top at that time. You know, have him go uh, wrestle Triple H during his Intercontinental title run. You know, have him uh, have him break out and, like, last a long time in the Royal Rumble. I can see him, uh, man, you never know, uh, without the job squad, I can see him getting a tag team with somebody and then being a focal point in those freaking TLC matches coming up later. Could you imagine if he was part of that? That whole uh, movement, as oh, it were, yeah, the, when those matches TLC. were a thing, he would fucking he would be like one of the stars of the show, like him and the Hardy Boys on a main stage would just be incredible. But uh, well, you, yeah, you bring up the Nation, and my first thought is like, wow, him and D'Lo Brown would have made a hell of a tag team. Yes, that that would have been incredible. Yeah, especially down the road when they did the whole uh, tag team with him and Farouk. Uh, and you mentioned the nation wasn't a thing yet. This was in that weird time period where Farouk was on his own and in limbo, just yeah, like yeah, yeah. That's just what I'm saying. Like, it was. It, it, it's not that it wasn't a thing yet. It's like the nation had run its course. It yes. was done like in '98. So they were just trying to find something to do with Farouk. Yeah. So they were like in the car together, and then one went acolytes and one went job squad. So yeah, you know that's how that went. But yeah, I I think I think too cold 
would have, you know, you know, and don't quote me on this, I think he would have been perfect for the storyline that the Nation of Domination was was presenting. I think he would have been perfect to be the antithesis to the Nation of Domination. Yes. Where like yeah, yeah. So like he he could have been like more like the guy that was like, come on, man, like I mean, but but realistically, when it's all in reality, um, Two Cold Scorpio has, has done a lot of shoot interviews, and in and in reality, he felt much like the Nation of Domination storyline. Like he felt that that, and let's just be call it what it is. Like he was a black man in the wrestling business, and he felt like in the '90s that was still holding him back. That's really what 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 it comes down to is at that point he felt like it was something that really held him back, and there were even lawsuits against WCW, um, you know, in that vein about discrimination and that kind of thing, where it's just like they just weren't going to push these guys, and and that's unfortunate that you know even like the '90s that's still a thing that you know people have to really, but I mean, I mean it still goes on today. It's it'll be it's one of those battles. I hope someday we'll be past that, but you know. It, it, it still continues to this day, but let's not get too much into politics and uh, that kind of thing. Um, I cut you off totally. Uh. <laughs> no, no, you knew when to jump in. That's basically what I said. That's basically where I was going with that. Like, I would think he would be like a great antithesis of the nation, but still try to be within the nation because he is the good guy trying to get them on the straight and narrow and make sure that this we're fighting for a cause, not to be better than everyone. And Farouk just, you know, he's too old school thinking and thinks that's not the direction we should go. And then too cold overcomes. And then the whole thing with the rock can still happen, except this time he's got a worthy adversary bell to bell instead of Farouk. Uh, so I would, I would love to see the matchup between too cold and the rock and the rock would overcome and do the rock things. But then now, you know, we don't have too cold fall from like that to the mid card. He goes his own way. Or, you know, yeah, he can go his own way as a sympathetic babyface that really tried to get these guys, you know, on the same page with him. But, you know, The Rock just infiltrated and just moved them into bigger heel stardom. And, and then Two Cole can be the guy, well, I can't get you guys on the on the better path, so I'm going to just have to take you guys out instead. You know, it's it's funny, too, because you, you said that, oh, you know, The Nation was a thing when he started, and I, and I just always feel like, and it's probably just because they gave him the shit gimmick of Flash Funk. I just always feel like Too Cold was from, like, closer to new generation than to Attitude Era. But he really comes in, like, right at the dawning of the Attitude Era. And, and, and it just, I don't know, for me, I always think back and I feel like he was more like, too, you know, like Too Cold's run felt more like, in my memory, you know, like Jeff Jarrett, Razor Ramon you know, era, but it's really not. It's after that, and it's right as the Attitude Era is being born. And that's why and, it's so bad, because we're well past the New Generation Era. We're getting into the Attitude Era, but we're still trying to get this red, bright red monstrosity over. Uh, you know, yeah. it's just it's just horrible. Like, we got Bret Hart coming back and wrestling Stone Cold that same night, and then on the same night, you yeah. debut Two Cold Scorpio as this Flash Funk character. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I, it's ingrained in my brain that the nation was around this time because this is when, right when they got Crush, and they were on yeah. the and they were on the way to WrestleMania 13 to be in that Chicago street fight with Ahmed Johnson and the the Road Warriors, and yeah. you know I think 
Too Cold would be a better addition than Crush would. Um, well, for sure. Yeah. For sure. I mean... Like, Crush was their reasoning for trying to backpedal on the whole creation of the gimmick. Like, oh, this yeah. isn't this isn't a black versus white thing. Look, here's a big white guy. <laughs> See? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, here. It's, it's not black anymore. Crush is white. Yeah. So... Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, He's I the just, white guy that was, like, from the biker gang. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I just wish they would have just doubled down on, you know the controversial faction because you know it was drenched in truth and you know yes you know and the best heels are the ones that actually feel like they're doing right and that was the nation of domination so you know that that's just my thing i i you talk about someone getting the short end of the stick that is has too cold written all over it and um yeah i'm excited to see what you got for too cold because i i'm sure i didn't have a lot i just i just really think you know you got to start with a good debut and they just didn't. And so I was like, well, maybe I'm just going to correct the debut and go from there. Okay. So for me, I would probably not want to debut him at the survivor series. I'd be okay with that being his first pay-per-view. Um, but what too cold for me, um, since what, what I see in him is just unending potential. Um, I would want to go back really old school on this one. And I would really want to do like a good six week lead in with vignettes. Um, I'd want to, you know, I, I'd want to get him on some house shows immediately so we could get some footage, something, um, so that we can show off his, his athleticism and everything he could be. And I want him coming in as a heel. Um, I want him having a little bit of that arrogance. I want him having a little bit of that confidence, that cockiness. Um, and then all and but then getting in the ring and showing everybody that uh you know he he's more athletic than you he's as strong as you are he's as uh technically sound as anyone in the business um i would really tell the story that this guy is something special in these vignettes i would really try to get that over um in, in much in the vein of a mr perfect you know i really want to put over the fact that this guy is more athletic He's strong. He's technically sound. I'd want to put all of those things together, and then I would want to bring him in with a slow build. I want after the you know four to six weeks of vignettes. I want four to six weeks of job matches where he just goes out there and dominates, shows off his four fifty splash, really starts to get that over, and uh, the announcers just being marvelled by the like. I mean, this has got to be. I mean, this this is where I think Vince being in the announce booth could really help this situation putting over that 450 splash wow what a maneuver i just really yes yes i really feel like we get four to six weeks of the job matches and then i I really want to slow build with this i want to drag it out after we get four to six weeks of him beating no names i want him out there i i really want to see like marty Jannetty be the first guy to like take him to deep waters i think that's a good mix because uh, we got the new rockers here. Um, you know, one week he go out there, he can beat up Leaf Cassidy and then start a little bit of shit with Marty Jannetty. So now we actually have his first match. We're looking forward to It's got just a little bit of build. And then I let him and Marty go for a good 12 minutes on TV. I get, give him a whole segment um, and, and really show that, okay, okay, you know, he's ready for a Marty Jannetty level guy. You know, a guy that was an Intercontinental Champion, a guy we all love as wrestling fans. 
and then I can move them on to like the Bob Hollies of the world and the Rockabillies, who you know, who are still trying to find just find their niche. I mean, this is right at the time, right before you know the New Age Outlaws really hit big, and, and so we have plenty of that kind of that level of talent, you know, the Rockabillies, and and then we can get them up into that Gold Dust level, you know, where where he's in there with with Gold Dust and Hunter Hearst Helmsley wasn't quite a big name yet. You know, that's that's kind of where our first stop is going to be. We're going to get him to that Hunter Hearst Helmsley air. You know, I, I might want to find a baby face, you know, to be the guy. The cool thing about Too Cold is I think even with the confidence and, you know, maybe, you know, crowing a little bit in his promos, I think he's a perfect tweener because his in-ring style is going to be impressive. So I, I really feel like it doesn't matter who, who he's feuding with. Um but I, but this is one of those I wanted that classic old school build. What they tried to do with Rocky Maivia, except for I'm maybe not going to give him the Intercontinental title on day one, you know. <laughs> but I feel like this would be the perfect guy to give him that nice long gradual build, get him to that Intercontinental title level within the first year, and put that belt on it, and we're keeping it on him. And this is going to be, um, you know, he's going to carry that mantle of you know the wrestler's title. You know, and and I think if you've got Brett and Sean as your world champion, and Two Cold Scorpio as your Intercontinental champion, nobody's beating you in ring talent. Like you are, nobody is going to be able to hold a candle to your wrestling card if you've got Sean in a match, you've got Brett in a match, and you've got Two Cold Scorpio in a title match every single pay per view. I really feel like it, it, the in your in your house and all that was a perfect situation um, to start with the slow build. And do you really get these guys over? And and uh, I just, oh my god! Yeah, I'm having like fantasy matches in my head right now of Two Cold Scorpio and Hakushi in a feud. Yeah, you could get Hakushi, um, but it, but the thing is too, like Two Cold is small enough. Well, he did have a light heavyweight title match actually, um, but like he's that guy who's the perfect hybrid where he's big enough to take on Brett and Sean. And even go up to Sid if it's if you know we need to be, but he his style is such that you could have given him a long build. He could have been wrestling the light heavyweights of the day. He could have had matches with Takamishinoku that were great. You know he could have gone out there with Sa Rios and tore the house down. Um, but then he you know he could have been dominant in those matches. Like he's the kind of guy that you could have elevated the light heavyweights towards the Intercontinental Title picture. You know like I really feel, you know that that. Too Cold would have been that that great, like, Tito Santana spot, you know, that sweet spot back in the day in the 80s where, where Tito was your Intercontinental Champion and you knew you were going to get a great match. Um, but he was, like, the guy that they would build you up to Tito and then once you beat Tito, okay, now you're ready for Hogan. Like, I, I feel like that would have been a great spot for Too Cold. Like, he's that guy right before you get to Bret Hart. You know, like, yeah, yeah. He's the uh, he's like the the main event test. Okay, he's ready. Yeah, exactly. But then the great thing is we had one, two, three. Kid came along not too long after this, or he was already there. And then we had X Pac coming back. That's another great match that we could have had with Too Cold. I mean, uh, but once we get him to that Intercontinental Title level, I think that's where we leave him for a really long time, and we could feature him with guys like Owen Hart. With <laughs> Like, uh, I, I, a too cold and Brian Pillman would have been incredible. Uh, even though, you know, Brian Pillman was a shell of himself in WWE with all the injuries, but 
he would have been a great guy to help get Rocky Maivia over to that next level. And then we had D'Lo Brown coming. Like, I'm just thinking about all the matches here, and there's just really no excuse for him to not be right there in the top of the middle of that card um, to have all these great matches on your show. Um, yeah, even him and Austin would have been intriguing. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. You build him up to that level, and now he's a great opponent for these tippy-top guys. You know, like him and Sean, if, again, if Sean had his working boots on and wanted to do something special, I, I really, as much as I love Brett and as much as I love Eddie Guerrero, I feel like maybe even Two Cold Scorpio could have had the best match with Brett or Sean of anybody. I, I mean, it's just insane to me that this guy was over here with Salvatore Sincere for a year, but <laughs> he couldn't get a match with Brett. He couldn't get a match with, and and Brett at the time was doing the Hakushi stuff. Like he was the guy going out of his way to want to work with these guys, and I just, I just don't. Know. Yeah, he had a feud over his jacket with a pirate. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, with a pirate. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a yeah. it's a shame that you know Too Cold was capable of so much, but he just ended up being another guy to Vince McMahon. Yeah, I, I I can imagine like if Vince had a spot to fill, he was like, uh, "Get me that uh, three warm Sagittarius guy." <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think my ultimate build up and payoff for Too Cold, um, at some point in 1997, at an in your house, Intercontinental Champion Too Cold Scorpio versus World Champion Bret the Hitman Hart, uh, just before the screw, you know, right around SummerSlam, um which I know would have put dampers on, you know, the Shawn Michaels Undertaker storylines, but like <sighs> I don't know, man. It's like, you know, I always think about the 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 what ifs with Eddie Guerrero and my dream match is like uh, you for me Too Cold Scorpio belongs in that conversation with Brett and Eddie and Shawn Michaels and and Dynamite Kid, you know, those guys who really are just the best workers that ever were and he just doesn't because nobody gave him that opportunity besides paulie and and i just don't know <laughs> who the hell is that who is one hot gemini <laughs> oh god damn it seven freezing pisces but yeah so that's it i mean again another guy that we wouldn't necessarily throw right to the main event and make him the world champion forever and ever um because, you know, I still feel like we um, respect the title and what it means and what it should be for that we don't want to just pass it around to everybody, kind of like, you know, it happened for the, the early 2000s. I'm just trying to come up with another number, temperature, and sign. <laughs> well, I mean, there's hot and cold, so I guess, I don't know, lukewarm? <laughs> yeah, I, I used, that was the first one. Three warm Sagittarius. <laughs> Three room temperature uh, Aries. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> oh, man. Well. Uh, we sound like the actual creative team for what they actually tried to do with Two Cold Scorpio. <laughs> I don't get it, pal. Ugh, let's, uh, just, let's just put a coat on him and call him Flash Funk. Yeah, he's, let's, he's funky. Let's. Oh. Yeah, let's make him like a stereotypical like seventies, you know, movie black guy. Like, God damn it! The only thing funky <laughs> about that idea was the stench. 
So with that in mind, ladies and gentlemen, uh, a couple matches. If you can find Two Cold Scorpio, Marcus Alexander Bagwell taking on the Nasty Boys, do that. If you can find the ECW stuff, the Sabu match, of course, and the Jericho stuff is just next level. And if you want to just see a great, like, just a magnificent Strange Bedfellows tag team, check out Vader and Two Cold Scorpio. It is some of the best fucking shit you'll ever see in Noah. Uh, so get on that and uh, Flash Funk. <sighs> That's a twenty-five-year-old idea. I hope you know that. Yes, it is a twenty-five-year-old idea at this point. We're getting old, Ron. Yeah, yeah, it's <sighs> uh, it's rough. Like even the pipe bomb was ten years ago. Yes, that that's what's crazy is that it's been seven years since CM Punk wrestled, and now he's back, and like it. It just doesn't feel like it just all starts to run together after some point. You know, all the stuff that our our, our parents told us when we were kids was is coming true. <laughs> if Tony Khan was going to do anything, we need to have just a super duper marquee match of CM Punk versus Two Cold Scorpio. Book it, double or nothing. It's it's solidified. Do it now. That would be awesome. Please. I mean, they brought in they brought in Hoovy Juice, so you never know. You never know. We might get a two cold Scorpio at some point. Mm-hmm. I will hold out hope that he has one more shining moment in the sun uh, because his his 1998 or whenever it was, his 2006 re-signing with WWF also didn't go anywhere and he never even was on TV. So, like, ah, oh, I just don't get it. Sometimes Vince McMahon drives us all crazy. And uh, this is one of those times where even as a kid, I was crazy. And this was the first heartbreak of my life. So, uh, do you have any closing thoughts before I do the outro, Ronald? Seven hot Taurus. <laughs> oh. oh, I love doing these, Ron. I love talking with you. This is my uh, therapy session, as I've said a couple times. It's uh, the great way to end the work week. That's going to do it for us today, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening, as always. Join us every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcast here at the Creative Team. And for Ron Kilborn, I am your host, Cole Dawson, saying thank you, we love you, and good night. You are so funky. Thanks for listening. Find us on Instagram and Twitter at Creative Team Pod or just the Creative Team on Facebook. Follow Cole Dawson on Twitter and Instagram at Cole2130 and follow yours truly on Instagram or Twitter at Ron for your life. Number four, we'll see you next week on another episode of The Creative Team.